Last take of this shit, man. I swear, I swear. First day out this motherfucker, student loans calling me Stay applying, bills piling, eating top ramen They said I'd be happy, said I'd be doing things Big things, living life while they lie, this ain't right Cause I can't, cause I can't sleep at night, uh Know that my family gon' work till they die, uh I'm in the rat race now, I was caught up What's up, guys? This is Zach here from First Stage Studios with another artist spotlight. We're here today with Skylar Hoffman, a.k.a. Washington, with a cash sign, because money coming soon. How you doing, Skylar? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Great intro, Zach. Now, uh, you just recently released a music video for your song, First Day Out. What is the importance to you of doing a music video for a song almost immediately as soon as you put it out? So the song First Day Out conceptually is like uh, T Grizzly's First Day Out, which was a huge song. Most rappers release uh, First Day Out titled track. Kodak Black did it, Chief Keef, I think, Jimmy Wapo. And I wanted to stay authentic to my brand. So when I shot, when I took the picture for it, I wanted the turnaround time to be way quicker than I could put together. So the music video actually got done in about two days, put it out on a Friday when the publicity is high, and it was, uh, it was pretty good. It was enjoyable to release to the world. Conceptually, what, were, what was your vision for that video? So the critique on culture is that regardless of if you have a college degree or not, I believe that we're all in a prison of sorts, the 9 to 5 routine life style that we're sold. So I thought me graduating school and still having those thoughts would be a unique story to tell one of your other most popular songs that you've put out was john john <laughs> yeah. has john has probably had the best success and i'm wondering yeah. what conceptually were you going for with that track because with first day out like it's pretty obvious what we're going for mm -hmm. the music video is great the mm -hmm. way that you had it shot everybody knows what you're talking about but john what are you talking about all right so the idea of hip-hop is that things are about materialism, owning things, having things, whether it be girls, clothes, you know, like jewelry and so forth. And the popular slang term, term John, is a Philadelphia thing where you basically switch any noun into the word John. So at the time, Gucci Gang was pretty popular. And I said, you know what, you need a repetitive hook that's catchy, a good beat. And when I heard the beat, I said, wow, this is like a hit with no words on it. So... I just kept up with the tempo of the song, and it's basically when I say something's on my wrist or on my head or on my pants, the listener doesn't exactly know what that is, and that's what I think is interesting, and pair that with the Rorschach test, and it makes it so that it's open to interpretation. So that's why you decided to use that as the cover art for the track? Because mm -hmm. yeah. the song itself is ultimately open to interpretation, just like the word. Exactly. That's yep. pretty cool. Now, you have quite the online persona, and mm -hmm. I feel like it goes with your song, The World Runs on Opinions, and that's something that I see you post a lot. Yeah. Um, kind of take me through that whole idea, the mindset that you have behind all that. So conceptually, I figured that um, when I released a book, we'll discuss that later maybe, about seeing ghosts sometimes or not being able to understand what that is. Um, once I released that book, I kind of crossed the threshold of I can't be scared of people's opinions like they're not right they're not wrong it's all subjective so 
why am I not going to be myself or position myself in a way that um, is unbound by other people's opinions, unfearful of people's opinions, because what's the worst they can say, you know? So is what you're saying, like, when you make music, when you do everything, you're not necessarily catering to anybody's interest except for your own. Like, you don't necessarily have, like, an audience in mind when you release something. You're more so just going for what you feel is the right thing to do, sort of like your book, which we are definitely going to be talking about later. I feel like when you're starting out any endeavor, you kind of copy the people who are doing it right. Be like, oh, I want to record like so-and-so or sound Mm -hmm. like so-and-so. But at some point, you decide, like, even in dating or anything, you build a unique style. And I believe that I'm kind of just being an instrument for how I feel as opposed to copying other people to have a certain audience appeal. So who would you consider to be some of the main the main helpers in terms of your creative process? What are you listening to? I'm currently listening to a lot of rap music, some underground artists that I don't know if people are familiar with. Obviously love Lil Uzi Vert. Um, I'm going to give everybody shout-outs anyway. Why not? Yeah, Lil Uzi Vert, um, Sway Lee in terms of melodic content, you know. Um, I like the melodic artists that can not necessarily be talking about, like, street stuff, which I appreciate, but... It all kind of sounds the same. I like somebody who tries something different. Like, let's say even like a Macklemore, you can find out, listen to Macklemore. Mm-hmm. His conceptual thoughts are amazing. Like Kendrick Lamar's people who see music, not necessarily just as a music element, but like can create an entire conceptual music video, tell a story, get people engaged. Right, which is ultimately yeah. something that we absolutely see from so far, which you've done. You know, that kind of goes into the next thing. You're in a lot of lanes, you know? You have this... Washington career that you've created, but then you're also working on screenplays at all times. I know that Mm. you had one a couple years ago. How many do you have now? So I currently only have two screenplays completed, but that's because I was on a transition into New York and figuring things out because the screenplays aren't necessarily for a standard audience. Most of my people that like listen to my music, that's all the engagement I can get for them. That's all of the uh, awareness that they have towards me. But the screenplay stuff, I need executives. I need people to help fund it. I mean, it's going to be a tough like barrier to cross. It's way tougher than music to enter the space. But um, I really enjoy it, and I'm just naturally a good writer, in my opinion. Now, as um, I'm sure that there are people that would wonder how to even kind of cross that bridge and figure out how to get their things their scripts or whatever it may be, book, mm-hmm. any sort of product read by these executives, how have you found success in doing so? So I've done a lot of research on this topic. There's this website called Blacklist, which hosts screenplays. There's this other resource, um, Stage 32, where you only pay when you want to contact these executives directly and give them a synopsis of your story. Um, I've had a couple of people just... I usually do something outlandish that kind of doesn't make sense, like what people are doing. So let's say I'll put my entire screenplay on LinkedIn and just say, like, here, and build a funnel out of it. Like, if people want to read it, they can read it. I'm not asking for money up front. The idea is good enough. It's my concept. I own it. So, like, let's collaborate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And if you have it out like that, you know that there's going to be so many more people that would see it than if Exactly. You you know, you're definitely... With the screenplay, that's one of those things where people really have to kind of get their interest sparked because, you know, you're reading it for mm-hmm. the entirety of, say, uh, an hour and a half, two hours, mm-hmm. however long the movie would be. Have you received a lot of um, feedback on your scripts so far? 
So I registered it. If, if I get two reviews on that website, Blacklist, the, basically a review script coverage uh, gives you a ballpark of the budget, the synopsis. They read it. They're paid to read it. And then if I get a certain, if I get six out of ten stars average on my reviews, then it goes into a pool of like the top 100 reviews on the website, which gets huge like coverage by executives and so forth. So that's the plan. I plan on doing another review and seeing how it goes. The first one I got like a six, so it's like mm-hmm. solid. But these are people who do this for read for a living. I said, okay, that's that's that confirms that it's at least good enough than average, you know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And you uh, you had mentioned that you moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Now, how has the creative process, um, basically your influences in mm-hmm. creativity, how have they changed from your years um, at University of Delaware? in Delaware to moving to New York. Have you found that there's been more inspiration in New York or is it kind of about the same? I would say there's more inspiration in New York because there's so many things going on and actually the people there, it's not like a tight-knit community like in Delaware, as I've seen. Everything is so fast. You have to like move like the wind out in New York. So it makes me get ideas faster but also lose ideas faster. Unless I'm by myself and trying to think creatively, I just uh, had a birthday, so mm-hmm. I got a new microphone, and I plan to like streamline the process of well, happy birthday, creating music. Sir. Thank you. The creative process in New York, have you found it tough to maybe find that time alone where you're able to really sit down and write out thoughts? Is, is the hustle and bustle of the city keeping you from that? I mean, it makes me into more of a writer, which I'm better at writing than restyling anything um i start to revert to the same like brain patterns where i just say the same thing and blah 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 but if i have time to sit down and write and just become like an instrument for the content then it's good because first day out i felt some kind of way and at the beginning of the song i say like last take of this and i literally i literally just record in one take because if it's not good i'm i don't have the logic pro literacy to just you know, chop it up, make everything perfect on time, this, this, and that, auto-tune it, so forth. I got to just work faster, and um, when the concept is right, it kind of just flows. And are you generally happy with the uh, the finished product you get from these kind of one-take way of doing it? Because, you know, there's people that'll listen to something thousands of times over and over and over again, and they still hate it. Do you find that if you do something quickly, you still really are satisfied with the product, even if you come back to it, say, like a couple months later? Um, sometimes not, but the thing that I believe is that more content will make you be shown to the world, and that all comes back to the world runs on opinions thing. Like, maybe my opinion is even incorrect, so why hold back music that somebody might love, you know, because it's subjective yeah, it is subjective. Yeah, I mean that's subjective. that's super true. And speaking off of that, I mean, I feel like that's a good segue to talk about the book. You created mm-hmm. a book, and it's called "I Kinda See Dead People." Yes. Uh, when did the book come out? Came out in 2017, so like two years ago. About two years ago, near Halloween, it was like Friday 13th. I remember I had to get that marketing plan together for that. Yeah. Awesome. You kind of see dead people. You considered it to be an autobiography. Now. Mm-hmm. Content-wise in the book, for people who haven't read it, would you consider it to be encompassing of your entire life, or would you consider it to be more about the spiritual aspect of seeing dead people? I would say it's more about the spiritual aspect of seeing dead people. I mean, you can learn things from me from it, but it's it's a relatively short book. I didn't 
mean to make any money off of it. I wanted to prove to myself that I can use my social platform to somehow get leverage that validifies I can do certain things that I wouldn't think I could do. The turnaround time for that was about three months process of writing, uh, writing, editing over and over, and finding creative for the artwork, marketing it, you know, doing keyword research on Amazon things, and learning it all just off YouTube. Like the power of knowledge can teach you anything, you know, so it was mainly about situations in which I saw ghosts or felt things or just recounting that maybe I had this ability the whole time after being validified by somebody else. So go more into the ability. So the ability is I can kind of... Um, See dead people? The like whole the, thought... Like the title? Yeah. Yes, yes. So the word, it's a play on words because... I See Dead People is a famous quote from The Sixth Sense. Um, that was the first time, and that was a mainstream thing where psychics were kind of getting noticed. So I kind of do, I kind of don't. I'm not, I don't train it. I, I just have these thoughts that become realities, and sometimes I see spirits, and it all comes back to that concept of the third eye, which I think was a thing, and it, it most certainly is. It's like your ability to slow down time almost and be more highly sensitive to things. So in that case, I'm able to see certain things that people aren't able to see, hear things, feel things. Do you have any recent examples of this? Well, not as of late. I think it's because I am drinking a lot of coffee and getting into certain routines. I just got back into meditating, so I'm hoping to kind of see things, but not as of late. Not How does that meditation process work for you? It's good. I mean, if you listen to a couple of podcasts from millionaire people, all the, everybody who has made it, so to speak, uh, first harnesses the power of their mind, you know, so they talk about all that and being mindful in decision-making, not reactive. I try not to be reactive. So when I meditate, it's like 15 minutes morning and night if I can where I just clear my head. Sometimes I start to see colors. Um things of that nature, maybe come up with a great idea. I keep a ton of notes on my phone of ideas. I've so far like 500 something in the music category. I try to keep it organized, but idea generation is huge and meditation helps with that. So just all of these different places that you're putting all of your talents, you have all these different things on your phone where you're kind of trying to to keep some sort of mm-hmm. order to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that you don't have necessarily a recent experience where you could tell us about your kind of seeing dead people. What was, like, the one that stood out to you the most throughout your life? Well, when I was a child, I remember having, like, a ghost companion of sorts. I talk about in the book, the the kid. I remember I we had, like, an argument, a.k.a. me and myself, basically, because nobody, like, believed any of that. And um, I reported it to the elementary school principal and I gave her a very vivid description of what the kid looks like all these things I, and I remember like a week later she came to me and she says God we need to talk and she comes and she says that uh I think you're the kid I don't know what you're talking about this is that we've looked all around the school her out yeah probably and um ever since then I was like wow like people aren't seeing what I'm seeing so maybe I should not bring this up <laughs> So, yeah, that one stands out the most. 
as far as the perception of this book and the reception that you've gotten from your friends and family, is it mm-hmm. generally positive? Have you had a whole bunch of people be like, hell no, you ain't seeing ghosts? Like, wh- what are you getting from it? Well, it is that whole polarizing thing, obviously. You're going to have people who don't support it and then maybe don't support me. You know, it's it's perfectly fine. I've noticed that people say it's really good writing and that I have a writer voice, a voice to mm-hmm. my words because I told it pretty candidly um I tried to make it humorous because that concept is kind of scary like oh he sees ghosts isolate him but um yeah I've gotten good reviews and some people actually said they've they tell me about their own ghostly experiences and things of that nature who I would never expect you know it's maybe opened up the conversation and you're probably getting it from people that you would have never expected at exactly this point. they're like all right, well, if this is something that we're actually here and we're talking about, because yeah. it is kind of a taboo subject. It's mm-hmm. not something that, you know, the world runs on opinions and you really took a subject that really shows that you don't care mm-hmm. and that you're willing to, to say what you believe you've experienced mm-hmm. and kind of just see what kind of feedback you get from Exactly, that. yeah. Test so, the waters, Yeah, so exactly. Mm-hmm. So the question is, like, what's next? We have music, we have screenplays, we have books. Yeah. Now, what... Is there a new avenue? Is there something coming from each of those other avenues? We stick into music. What's next? Well, it all comes down to marketability and, like, who I think my audience is. I mean, the book was just to prove that I can write it. I could write another book, but I think I might convert one of my second screenplay into a book because if you see the whole market thing, it kind of proves that there's a fan base already, Mm -hmm. like books turning to movies, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings... Fifty Shades of Grey, so Harry Potter. So you're thinking franchise here? Yes. I always think, like, I think I might as well show it to the people if I can't get to the execs. So show it to the people, and the people will verify that it's good, and then the execs will hear it. So if the people wanted to see this, where would they find it? Oh, I'll definitely have it on Amazon. Um, and if you distribute through a distributor, Smashwords, it'll be on all of it. And you've mentioned yeah. that it's already a screenplay at this point? It's already a screenplay, yes. So and if I someone could... wanted to read the screenplay, is it as easy to find as going on your LinkedIn, like you had mentioned earlier? Yeah, you go on my LinkedIn. I mean, it's right there. What's it called? The screenplay is called Illuminated. It's about a street kid who kind of has nothing, and he gets a whole deal with the devil for a contract. And in the short term, it pans out, you know, the girls, the money, the clout, so to speak. But then everything comes full circle, and it kind of has a dark twist. It sounds like exactly what people are looking for at this point in time. And um, in your book, as well as your first screenplay, you mention a period in your life where you had a near-death experience. Can you go into that a little bit? I'm trying to remember which one. Is that where I nearly drowned? I don't know, man. Yeah. So there's a couple of them. Well, the psychic that visited me, he told he knew that... Psychic visited you? Yes. You, you might need to back up on yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, okay. All right, so start from the beginning with psychic visited you. My mom is a flight attendant, and there's this guy, Rudy, who is a psychic on the side, so to speak. He's also a flight attendant. And I remember my mom was telling me a story about where he predicted something with another flight attendant that happened in the future. And they're like, oh, my God. So he built this reputation for being like very highly sensing, he knew things on people, um, ailments and things. Like able to just kind of like see you and understand everything. So he's, he has to be like killing it. Why isn't he in like TSA or something? Like oh yeah. oh you got that. I mean maybe he should talk to him. That'd be that'd be great. 
Yeah, like weird things where when he first met me, he knew I was a writer and he knew that my brother tweaked his shoulder when he was about to go to the gym. He said, watch that shoulder. And my brother never mentioned anything to him about his shoulder hurting, just wild things. So my mom paid for us all to get a reading because she thought it'd be interesting. Um, This was in 2016 going into 2017. He gave us each a half hour reading, tea leaves and all, and he basically validified that I have this like spiritual sight and I had to meet him for some reason. And I knew this when he said that uh, I nearly drowned as a child and that I may get in a car accident in the future. He didn't want to tell me that. But the thing is that I did almost drown when I was a child. I said, whoa, this is interesting. Like, I have no idea how he knows these things about me. Well, I don't want to ask you about the second part, but uh, any, any truth to it so far? Oh, the car thing? No, he basically said that I'd be tired and driving at night, and so I've kind of just not driven at night. Well, I mean, you know. But no, I know, yeah. Gives you a way to, it gives you something to avoid in a sense. Mm -hmm. So is this somebody that you've kept in contact since this meeting that you had in 2016, 2017? Yeah, throughout the time when I wrote the book, um, we were talking. I asked if I could use his likeness. He said yes. Um, Everything is perfectly fine. I haven't kept up with him this last year that I've been in New York just because of the whole hustle and bustle. Um, I should definitely reach out, see what's new. Maybe he tells me something that I'm completely unaware of. Yeah, maybe he could tell you the next avenue you got to go down, man. Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah, he said that I was going to make music and be known in some way, shape, or form. So, I mean, I see things in a film standpoint. So that's the bread and butter. I'm always just going to be a storyteller, whether it's books or movies or music. There's always going to be a story behind it. And that's what people want. They want something that is, it has something backing it, you know? Mm-hmm. You talked about making music where the song doesn't necessarily, it's up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's kind of what you're going for with everything. You want to make sure that there's that backstory, there's mm-hmm. that meaning behind everything that you're doing. That's exactly correct, yeah. Things are just more powerful when you have a story. It, like, brings out emotion. Um, Everybody goes through the same things, but they might not talk about it. So I want to be able to talk about it. And if people like it and then they, you know, I build a fan base and we just have fun and support each other, you know. Have you been finding that a lot of people have reached out saying that they relate with the material that you've created so far? Yeah, some people really like John. I mean, it's very simple, repetitive, um, but the end rhyme is there between, like, you know, feet and teeth, like, things of that nature. I mean, I didn't, it doesn't just not rhyme. Um, so people like that song just because it's kind of EDM turned up, not very, like, I need to be listening to the mm-hmm. music right now. And then first day out, a lot of people relate. Somebody just texted me that I haven't talked to in two years, said, yo, first day out is lit, you know, so... I, mean, oh, I got my student loans the other day, and it's actually the first thing I put on afterward. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I need that first line. Exactly. As soon as you graduate, they're calling you, I swear. Damn right, man. Yeah. All right, so we have more music coming on the way? Yeah, of course. So um, with the birthday, you know, got a good mic. I watched this interview that empowered me with YBN uh, Namir, where he said he literally recorded his hit song while working at Journeys just on a uh, a tube sock on top of, as a pop filter on top of his microphone and just blew up, you know? So it doesn't require much. And I just say, you know, it, it comes down to, like, work ethic. If I really enjoy the music, like, it'll come out. It'll be good. 
So are you going to be recording now in New York? Yeah, I mean, I bounce back and forth. I'll probably be here for the holidays and so forth, but I'm kind of trying to lock in and just start recording. Like, Russ, just put things out, you know? If people like it, they like it. If they don't, I mean, then they're not part of my fan base, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, the the great thing is when you're able to actually, Mm -hmm. you know, the hustle and bustle of the city, you get rid of it when you're able to record in your your own space yeah so now you kind of have that ability where you're going to be able to pull out the creativity whenever whenever it's there and actually put it into into creating your own product mm-hmm. exactly all right man so it's been great having you on skylar yeah. hoffman aka washington writer <laughs> screenplay writer and rapper here with us in delaware first state studios and we're excited to see what you have next thanks for coming on man all right thanks man